<laughs> but I mean, if if you're calling somebody a Nazi, like why would you? Why would you if they weren't? You know. I mean, I guess you could, but well, it would I mean, just seem very yeah. weird. Now we're getting into like the semantics of of like derog- derogatory speech against other people, but and I'm kind of anti-semantic, so we should. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Stephen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 409 with a review of Green Room. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we are talking about Green Room. Um, I'm going to keep these guys on this podcast all night long. Actually, I'm not going to keep them. They're just staying. So kinky, how are you guys doing tonight? Well, Good. I'm going to take my uh, inopportune <laughs> drink of water right now. I'm, do- I'm doing good. <clears throat> Not too bad. I wish you would open the door, let me out. But, you, you know, know, I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, if you hand me the gun, I'll let you leave. It's just simple as that. That's all That's all we got to do here. Like, I want to trust you, but I also want to get on board the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> and fly, fly away so I don't know or be in a long distance relationship and have it be like really meaningful I, I didn't actually watch that movie I'm just trying to think of things Anton Yelchin was in <laughs> I mean this movie really is all about uh, Old Trek versus New Trek and how much Old Trek hates Star Trek Into Darkness yeah. I don't know they thought it was like super lame that they just remade Star Trek 2 so I don't know I think that's what's going on here What's really weird, too, is I, I never realized how racist Picard was. That explains that Klingon punk off song that they played. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Well, what do you say we just get into this episode for Green Room, guys? <laughs> Let, let's do it. <laughs> do it. Super, Strong. Super graceful. Uh, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Green Room, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. Get you guys a solid gig. Matinee tomorrow, doors at one, you guys are on a three. Gentlemen, you're trapped. Things have gone south. It won't end well. You can't keep us here, man. You gotta let us go. We're not keeping you. You're just staying. Shoot who's left. Blood and bleed. Get ready to run. Here we go. Careful now. All right, so that was the trailer for Green Room. Basically, there's this uh, little punk band, 
and they're going on a show, and uh, they get a little gig at this place that happens to be run with a bu- by a bunch of white supremacists, and uh, something happens when they're getting ready to leave, and they find themselves trapped in this little venue, uh, trying to you know, not die. <laughs> so, Carson, what did you think of this film? Uh, well, this movie's getting uh, a lot of hype for uh, being super intense and uh, having a uh, insurmountable amount of tension. And uh, I would definitely agree. Uh, particularly, I just want to jump right in my my one scene uh, where Anton Yelchin shaves his head and uh i was very concerned because he is about three weeks away from going bald (laughs) and uh the man shaved his head so and uh i don't know where i was going with that but that (laughs) that was about that was really about the only part where i got really concerned for people um the rest i was just pretty disappointed Uh, i think it's over i think it's overhyped I think it's kind of like it's kind of like how last year A24 in April put out Ex Machina, which I liked Ex Machina, but everyone thought that was like the second coming and it was just kind of like, really, that was it? Uh okay. Um and I guess you could say say the same thing about Room too. Um but I like this better than Room. Um and it's funny that A24 has just cornered the market on room movies trapped in rooms <laughs> um I, i'm i'm waiting for that panic room reboot with jacob tremblay mm. it's gonna it's gonna be killer <laughs> um i need my gonna, insulin shot he's gonna be he's gonna be the case do role so it's gonna be it's gonna be good um yeah so like i i mean i attribute this movie very closely to room because one um Overall, I just thought it was like pretty basic, and two, I was overall disappointed because the first two movies from both of these directors I really liked, and so I was kind of thinking there would be something more unique and in the line of those two movies, and uh, I didn't really get that with this movie. Like, I love, I love, love, love. Uh, Jeremy Saulnier's first movie, Murder Party, which if you haven't seen, you guys should see it because it's f***ing awesome. Uh, Not only is it like my favorite, one of my favorite Halloween movies, but it's just uh, really creative and also super violent, but really funny um, horror comedy. Um, and I was expecting more more of that in, in this movie. And there is a line at the very end of the film that's pretty funny that kind of has the... That is the tone I was expecting, like, this whole movie to be. Um, so, overall, I thought... Uh, I thought it was just fine. I mean, like, this isn't a movie that I would be ashamed to have on my filmography. But I just was expecting a lot more from it. Um, I mean, mostly because I think the the main problem is that the the band members, the main characters who we're supposed to be caring for when they get locked in this room, um, I don't think any of them are that interesting. Like they're they kind of like just rush through things to get to all the uh, standoff moments, and uh, I don't know, like none of them really like 
I didn't really care about them. I, I would rather have seen the, the the villains win. They were the villains were more interesting to me, and even then they were pretty dull because it was like they were like Nazis, but they were like the most like fashionable Nazis, <laughs> non-Nazis ever. Like they didn't have like any SWAT stickers in their place. Like it was just like they had a couple like they had a couple like white pride like bumper stickers, but like that was it, and a Confederate flag. Like that was it. Like really, these are like the most non-intimidating Nazis like the, ever. This seems like the most ridiculous complaint I've ever heard in my life. Like, I think it's a, I you think call it's a valid Nazis. Where are the swastikas? I think it's a valid complaint. I think it's a completely valid complaint um, because I didn't think like any of them were that like terrifying. It was just kind of like oh, one, one, so one second, Carson. If you're listening right now and you happen to be a Nazi. Uh, would you please email in to fans at thespoilerwarning.com and let us know how many swastikas you have? Well, we have a huge uh, Nazi fan base, so it won't be a problem. Um, <laughs> well, I- I'm just saying that, like, come on, like, look at a movie like American History X, where, like, there is, like, this kind of subculture that's, like, sort of, that's viewed in that movie. You know, there's like, also no curb stomping, now that you think of it, now that I think of it. <laughs> Well, that has nothing to do with anything. I'm just saying that, like, there, there is a, like, this kind of, like, world is featured in that movie, and, like, I don't know, like, it just, maybe there was something I missed where they were just, like, were all-encompassing racists, so they, like, I don't know, like, to me, it just would have been, it, it just was weird that, like, they were just all, like, kind of urban outfitters-looking dudes. But, but just, also, also, just to be clear, I mean... Nobody in the film, besides referencing the song "You Nazi Punks," actually said called them like it was a derogatory term referring to them as as Nazis. But all we know is that they're white supremacists, right? They're that's not like. I mean, there were several lines where people referred to them as Nazis. But are they people who are trying not to die from them? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know yeah, that. Yeah, there were. Like, Imogen Poots' character said several times, like, that they were Nazis. Yeah, yeah, she referred to them as that. But, I mean, did the characters ever say anything they to themselves? They do. Okay, just, 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 I, I don't I knew that exactly. I knew that the Schnees would bring this up because he'd be like, <laughs> oh, guys... Well, no, I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate because, like, I refer to them as Nazis, but I was doing it more in the, like, I, yeah. Yeah, but I mean. But they can if, call themselves that, but you can't call them that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if if you're calling somebody a Nazi, like, why would you, why would you if they weren't, you know? I mean, I guess you could, but well, it would I mean, just seem they're, very they're, weird. Yeah. Now we're getting into, like, the semantics of, of like, derog- derogatory speech against other people. but And I'm kind of anti-semantic, so we should. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I feel like that, I feel like the. Nice, Steven. I feel like that, that many people have referred to the fact that the villains are, are, so, so, are neo-Nazis. So the, the, the official description on IMDb refers to them as maniacal skinheads. Yeah, so skinhead is neo-Nazi. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Car- and they, Carson is correct. They yeah, yeah. reference skinheads too in the beginning and other times. Uh, I concede my place anyway. And whatever. Anyway, I just think that uh, I just think that overall, like, okay, here, here's what I think. All right, let me start over. Okay, so <laughs> like from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so I was talking about how, like, the, okay, so, like, the, you know, they didn't seem that intimidating. And, um, I mean, I think that's true. Like, I think that one, the other main point they had was one, uh, this feels like the, 
American remake of like a French extreme horror movie. Um, <laughs> okay. Where it just it just like feels like a watered down version of something like much more extreme. And then um, two, I would kill to see the Rob Zombie version of Green Room because that is the movie <laughs> that I was expecting out of this. Because like that would have just been like I. I mean, I was thinking this was going to just be depraved and f***ed up, but it was kind of just, like, mild. Like, I just, uh, you know, it wasn't, like, full-on hot. Um, But, I mean, I think with, uh, like, the Rob Zombie version, like, that would have been really messed up. Like, the the dudes would have been, like, we would have gotten, like, Bill Mosley and Sid Haig as, like, the the villains, and, like, there would have been some weird, like nazi torture or some shit like <laughs> it would have been it would have been jacked up and i feel like that the music would have been a lot more solid like i'm not gonna sit here and say that i'm like you know mr music expert but uh like i feel like the the uh i don't know like i feel like the the music wasn't that like integral to what was going on like they they played like two songs and it was just like yeah we're punk, you're, you're talking about like the in-universe music of the bands that were playing at yeah the shows. yeah yeah Apparently yeah, yeah. those are like those songs come from like friends of the director. I mean, like I don't doubt that they are. I'm just saying, it's like the scene, man, it's authentic. I, I don't know, dude. Like I, it didn't seem like that. I don't know. It didn't. It seemed weird to me, and I think that was a the problem. That goes back to my problem with like there wasn't enough like character moments in the beginning it kind of just jumps right in. I mean, like, like I said, I usually defend a movie that, you know, where we jump right into, to the action, but I feel like in any horror movie scenario, you know, you, you need to get to know the characters a little bit. So you, you obviously want to root for them to survive. Um, so I, like I said, like, I feel like the, that the characters were just sort of uninteresting to me. Like they just seemed like guys that were too cool to admit that they, listen to prince pour one out for <laughs> Maybe that's his their ro- desert island band pour one out for his royal badness actually um, i feel like didn't one of them say prince as a desert yeah, island that's band? why i said it duh. okay gotcha i didn't know if you were just like saying it because there's the timely reference to prince anyways whatever yeah there was the guy said prince and the the, and- the timely reference about the real life passing of prince no, no, no. They, they must have added that in this week to the show. <laughs> they, they knew it was coming up. Obviously, ADR'd. Um, but yeah, like that. She said she's. Uh, she said uh, maybe from Arrested Development said Simon and Garfunkel, and then the other dude said Prince. All right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I was taking a drink that time. Okay. Uh, you are I correct, just, though. I just thought that. Uh, I just thought the characters were boring, except with the exception of Imogene Poots. Like, I think she was in the movie that was really rocking. Like, that, her whole, like, outfit and, like, look. Careful um, now. And <laughs> and her, like, uh, changing accents and uh, <laughs> her weirdness. Like, that that character was, like, I wanted to see more of her. I, I, because... I mean, I'll, I'll get to it later. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, but before we we pass to Stephen, if you were about to do that, I, I would like just just for clarification, was it the entire band as a whole, including Anton Yelchin, that you didn't like at all, or is he exempt from that depiction of them all being boring? No, they were all like just kind of whatever. I mean, like Anton Yelchin is a, a solid actor, and I think that you know he was doing what he could, but 
I don't know. Like, I just, none of them, they all seem very bland to me. That's why I didn't really care when they started getting killed off. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, Stephen, do you share Carson's sentiments when it comes to Green Room? Uh, I do not. I'm actually, I I would be a little surprised, but I I got the feeling from the very beginning that Carson wasn't, like, super into this movie. Um, I, I mean, I... So I did not hear much praise for this going in, other than the fact that, like, I'm familiar with Blue Ruin, and I know that a lot of people, myself included, really dug that movie. Um, So, like, I had some expectation, but I definitely was not coming in on a wave of overhype or anything. Um, And while, like, Green Room definitely doesn't pack the same punch that Blue Ruin did for me. Like, in my mind, Blue Ruin was a really, really awesome pressure cooker film, and... Maybe it's just because the like the punk hardcore scene doesn't really lull me in the way that like the Deep South does. Uh, but this, it didn't quite have the same magic. Uh, but at the same time, I-, I thought this was a very memorable kind of claustrophobic genre flick, like a good slasher horror movie with a, a setting that really stuck with me. I mean, I think we saw this, was it one week ago or two weeks ago? It was two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. And I still like very vividly remember this movie. Um, and, and that's actually kind of rare. Like I think Carson is definitely right. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't really try to flesh out the characters in a very meaningful way. Um, to, to that point, I would say like something like Midnight Special definitely didn't try to do much more in that regard Uh, so of course like it depends on how well you like the package like that's either a problem or it isn't depending on how well the movie sells you on whatever it is going for um for me what it sold me on very well was this kind of like young anarchist spirit and the feeling of like i don't know taking taking life into your own hands and just raging against shit and i think that this (laughs) this really did capture that the kind of fuck you attitude that i assume makes the hardcore scene so special to people who unlike me hear it as more than just loud noises and shouting (laughs) (laughs) so like even though i don't dig the scene and i normally would be kind of reluctant to enjoy a movie like this um this i don't know it really won me over it did a good job it knew not to overstay its welcome like it knew to keep keep the action constantly heavy pulpy enough but never like just overly ridiculous um I, it definitely is not a subtle movie or a, like even-handed movie i think it it tries to go all out in the kind of violence and in the psychological horror of everything um and i don't know all i know is i think it did a very good job at that i was very gripped while i watched it and i know there's always some handicap going in when i watch a movie and the director talks about it after like i'm just bound to watch it more closely and like appreciate the decisions they made but i really liked i liked the character beats of this movie a lot i liked the way uh, anton yelchin played this guy who's kind of a little aimless but still has a a moral core and is trying to survive and i i liked emotion poots a lot i thought the bandmates otherwise were kind of a little one note, but in a believably one note way. Like I'm pretty sure teenagers in a hardcore band from DC are kind of one note in, <laughs> in exactly that note. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I dug it. Like 
I I believe the villains in in a specifically organ kind of way. <laughs> like I imagine the Pacific Northwest having these uh these weird characters, right? Like this tribe of people who are very dangerous but hipster at the same time. So that that didn't bother me. Uh yeah, I don't know. It it this is not going to do what Ex Machina did. I'm not blown away by it, but I I really liked it quite a bit. I was trying to squeeze in a joke and I didn't get a chance, but I'll squeeze it in right now. You said that you're assuming that these people are are all one note anyways, like in real life. Is that one note drop D? <laughs> yeah, it's actually three chords, sorry. <laughs> um anyways, so I also really enjoyed this film. Um or maybe even more really enjoyed this film than both of you. Uh Basically, I, I thought it was a really fun ride. I, I thought it was very suspenseful. Um, I was telling Stephen after I think in between um, in between the the actual screening and the 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 Q and A, I we we were at Alamo, so we had food, which I know Carson and you know Sarah are gonna say that no, you can't eat food while watching a movie. But I was eating food, but like I was not even concentrating on the food. I was just shoveling food in my mouth during the middle scenes where like stuff was starting to go down because it was like. I, I think I uh, equated it to the scene in Jurassic Park when um, when Malcolm, like the T-Rex is coming through the thing and Malcolm has to like unfog his window by wiping it because he's like breathing so hard as he's watching <laughs> this thing. Like I, I felt like that's how I was at moments during this film. Um, I what, what I really like, um, I was a little bit scared that it was sort of going to be a situation where they sort of arrived at this place where there is these, you know, Nazi people and simply the fact that they were these guys and they were going to be like, yeah, we're so hardcore and f- you guys. Like I, I thought that the whole reason that they were going to get in trouble was all because of that. Um, that's the kind of the fear that I had. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that it turned into like more of a random scenario that actually got them really in trouble. Not, it wasn't, it wasn't like a thing where like these people are already evil and they're going to do an evil thing and you happen to find your way into this camp of evil people and now you're screwed like it it, it felt more it felt more organic and i thought the progression of how they get further and further in trouble was good um i i, I agree that the the bandmates and stuff aren't really that um that deep of characters but what i do like is i feel like their reactions to a s- scenario in which they're completely out of um they're they're out of their own depths like they they don't know how to respond and i thought their reactions to things were were very uh very genuine like you know at, at the beginning of the episode i think it was while we were recording i made the joke about steven handing over the gun there's a scene where like you know the people on the outside of this room as carson referred to it um they they want a gun and they're like yeah we'll let you go if you just give us the gun and like the way people are responding to in the moment trying to quickly figure out whether there's logic behind actions that they couldn't couldn't take like that felt totally genuine and it wasn't like characters make decisions that may not be smart but they don't feel stupid in the conventional horror movie trope type of way where like somebody does something that's clearly just the stupidest thing you could possibly do in this scenario you like really get the sense that these characters don't know what move to make and they're sort of just trying their best to do something that will lower the tension between both parties while at the same time giving them some sort of um, bargaining chips or level of security or, you know, whether that's false or not. Like, I, I feel like 
I feel like it felt like a real situation that somebody could get in and the way they responded to, responded to it felt very genuine to me. Um, I think the, the, you know, like the tension filled moments I, I think are good. Like these, these, while the bad guys don't have too much depth to them, they, they have this scariness to them where you feel that the situation they're in is sort of necessary for, the, like, you can see how they justified it as necessary. They're not just, like, bad guys who are going to run it, run it with a chainsaw. There are people who are thinking how to get out of a situation they're in just as much as your heroes are trying to think of how to get out of the situation they're in. And I don't know. I, I, just, I just felt that it was very, it was very intense and uh, it had enough in it for me to keep feeling invested and my blood pressure was going as I watched it. So it, it, it succeeds on a lot of levels. Um, I agree with Carson that uh, Emojin Poots, however you pronounce her name, is one of the most interesting characters, but I also feel weird about her character because she's not one of the band members. She's sort of somebody who gets looped in with them during the course of everything that's going down. And it's angled with her sort of supposed to take like the classic love interest type of role and it feels like any like i don't know something about that annoys me like her character has no reason to be there like you could write this entire movie without her character being there and from a plot standpoint it would be a stronger film but her character is interesting enough and adds enough her commentary her reaction to scenarios like she 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 adds an interesting enough thing that like she justifies being there but i still felt where, weird about the way the character was written and how she's clearly there to be somebody for the main character to sort of latch on to in a way that like i didn't think was necessary uh well i think she was there specifically for a reason like i i mean i can't say cuz it's a spoiler but I mean, she's there because of someone else. Well, she she's there. She's she, she's related to the inciting incident, but she's also there because she has knowledge of the place they're in, and she feeds exposition to the main characters because she's familiar with those people. Yeah. Um. But 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 I think like, I I just don't like the way the main character latches onto her and way she's there as a setup to be like a motivation for him to live, right? <laughs> like. Not in the not in the classical trope way, but those strings are still floating there, and they're kind of unavoidable to me. I don't know, Stephen. Did did you feel that way at all? I I don't know. That didn't bother me. I mean, this whole movie is about happenstance, right? Like about a thing happening to happen in precisely the way that would make it very filmic. <laughs> so it doesn't really bother me that her character kind of served an obvious narrative purpose. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they kept enough mystery to to her and why she was there and why the things that went down went down that it it didn't feel like they were you know showing the cards too much or anything yeah i mean i do agree that uh the situations and the reactions that the characters have uh in in the certain situations they're in i mean they do feel i mean that's definitely viable like i bought that like i mean this is not this is definitely a much smarter movie than like The Purge or something. <laughs> um, I, it's it's not as dumb as that. Um, and, and no, like they're not operating in very dumb typical horror movie tropes. Uh, I just I just thought that the 
the tension was was undercut by the fact that it just kept starting and stopping. Like I think it 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 kept kind of you know the violence and stuff would come in and in, in, in like really quick bursts, and you think for a second, oh like here we go, it's gonna start ramping up, and then it would just you know cut back to Patrick Stewart talking to the dog handler or something. Like then you just kind of like get you get but deflated. I, I, I it's interesting though because like I think that made it more tension filled because there was a, like a, an air of of confusion as to what's going on because th- there were for most of the film tension's still up but no one's actually actively trying to break into the room right it's not like uh it's not like you're next or something or mm. the whatever the one with the people who attack the house like every other horror film um it's not like that type of film where from the moment they start arriving people are trying to get in and they're trying to keep them from getting in it's it's sort of like a little standoffy where nobody's really doing anything. Nobody has fired any shots at each other. Like everybody's sort of just like, hey, we're just talking here. But at the same time, you know at any moment something could go down. And, and I think that for me made it more tension heavy. I think in, in other reviews I've mentioned that like I am very freaked out by people, even like in real life, like normal people who, when I can't gauge the way they're going to react in a certain situation. If there's somebody who is unpredictable around me, it gives me anxiety and I'm sort of put on edge. Even if it's like just a completely normal situation, like if somebody's doing something shady near me in my proximity, like I'm like, okay, like I can't concentrate on whatever everybody's talking about. Like I need to like pay attention to this person and figure out what the hell they're going to do. So like in this situation, there's that, but there's also stuff that has already happened that lets people know that like there's a serious issue and I, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like there's there even during the, the, the lull moments, like there, there's, there's a scene where like literally everything just completely stops. Like the characters are expecting something big to happen any second. And then all of a sudden it seems like everybody's gone. And even in that moment, that just made me more on edge because it was like, well, why is something not happening now? Like it, it, it for me, it works perfectly. Um, and and it, it's, it's kind of funny that like for you, that exact thing is the problem with what's going on. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that goes back to just the characters. I wasn't that interested in them and the, the confusion uh, ended up not being that interesting because like, I mean, if you if you look at a movie like A Simple Plan, where it's all about things start off bad and then they just keep getting worse and worse and worse, um, but you're just like so anxiety ridden because you're just like I can't watch these people go through like one more terrible thing, um, <laughs> which is what I was what I was would have liked to have seen from this movie. And also it, it just had that, had that, you know, that pulpy feel, which like Steven said, the, the pulpy feel, which I feel like there should have been more like, like once things started happening, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like, I, I feel like there was like, not a, I guess like, cause they were trying to go like the, the gritty realistic way. But like, I really wanted to see, you know, once they fought back, you know, you got really pumped because they were taking out the, 
the bad guys. <laughs> so you wanted yeah. like the Hills Have Eyes version. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah, mean, but I, I, I mean, think there's like a this... lot of movies like that. Even like at the end of Inglorious Bastards, where it's like cathartic that you see Eli Roth just shooting Hitler even after he's dead. <laughs> like spoilers. You know, sorry. <laughs> It's Carson's history. anti-Nazi agenda is really shining through in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, well, you know, it really happened. That's that's how Hitler died. <laughs> um, yeah. Because uh, I, I just remember, I just remember seeing Glorious Bastards, and then after that scene was over, and it was just really quiet. And then one guy in the theater was just like, because like no one was just like, everyone was just like so in awe, and the you know one guy was just like yeah like and then everybody <laughs> clapped and i really i like i wanted there was no moment like that in this movie where you're just like yeah like f- like even at the end like it was just kind of like oh all right rump, rump, rump. yeah i don't know this movie definitely had a few of the f- yeah beats i felt like maybe it has to do with the crowd that you're in i think our crowd was very reactive to the highs and lows of the movie and like I definitely felt that. Um, but what I wanted to loop back to, and maybe you can tell me about Murder Party. Like between this and Blue Ruin, I feel like Jeremy Saulnier really likes movies where people are dying for no reason. Like <laughs> oh, yeah. it's just like a pointless situation that nobody benefits from, and that is like what he likes. He doesn't want there to be real crazy villains or anything. He wants it to just be like a ah, oh, I guess we have to kill each other now. God damn it. But, like, but I, I, I don't know why he seems really drawn to that. But I, but I feel like the, I mean, the 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 maniacal skinheads group, they weren't justified in their actions, but I can see from their point of view why they thought this killing was necessary. Like, I mean, they weren't like Lex Luthor about it either. Like, they had a reason that they were doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, would, I just go back and say that, you know, I don't think it matters whether you see this movie in a, in a packed theater or just in by yourself. Uh, I still feel like, you know, for me, there was no personal like, yeah, moment, because even in, you know, if the movie is working, like I will do that internally because I'm not someone who just sits there and goes like, ah, ah, because they have to like let everything out to be like. <laughs> The rape goblins can't come because there's got to be noise in the theater. Uh, Pour one out for Patton. Right. Okay. That was f***ed up. Um, Yeah. uh, That was really sad. But anyway. um, Yeah. Like the. I just think that that I that was missing for me. Uh, And also, uh, yes, murder party is all about a guy getting invited to a party uh, where a bunch of people try to murder him. I mean, that's pretty simple. Um, he he totally misjudged what that party was about. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm up for a murder party. Is it like the sequel to Fight Club? But there's a lot like the Nothing. like the. <laughs> it's fine. Carson's like, I'm just gonna continue. I will. Uh, I I honestly didn't even hear what you said. Um. Anyway, yeah. I I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about Murder Party. Like that movie is just so good. And I was hoping to get that sort of giddy fun that that movie had out of this movie. Um, And really, all I got out of this movie was uh, the moral is, you know, get be on social media, because if you're not, then you'll die. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, this is this basically green room is the dangers of not being on social media. Because... I, I, I love I love the, the the moral you pulled from the story is it's okay to go to weird skinhead camps in the middle of nowhere as long as you're on Facebook, as opposed to don't find yourself stuck in the middle of the woods at some <laughs> maniacal skinhead camp. Hey man, if you were sending out the grams, all your followers would be like, "We haven't ha- heard anything from the eight rights yet." Bless they you. must what's up with them <laughs> uh but they were too cool for that <laughs> i i do want to say I, there should have been a character at some point and said man this ain't right <laughs> yeah why didn't they do that <laughs> <laughs> so i i do want to say that like i was a little surprised about who who i gravitated to more in the movie like like you guys emotion poots i thought was like a particularly compelling character I also, and maybe this is unpopular, but Patrick Stewart did not do that much for me in this movie. Like, it was an interesting role, I guess, but I, to me, like, him being calm and evil, like, didn't matter that much in in my view. Like, yeah. for being the biggest guy in the movie, it, it was not a big deal. Whereas, um, Macon Blair, is that how you say his name? Um, yeah, the guy from Blue Ruin. Yeah, his his character, who's just kind of a, um, you know, not not a good dude, but also not like a completely cartoonish villain either. His character, I actually was quite drawn to, and I like it's weird, like the kind of weird, understated characters who don't fit any role. Uh, those were the ones I liked, and the ones who are like the the obvious protagonist or the obvious villain, like you know, they filled the genre movie beats just fine. But I I did not get a whole lot of my. Uh, my empathy from them he, he was the guy who ran the day-to-day of the club yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no i i really liked his character a lot yeah i i thought the same thing too like uh patrick stewart was sort of just again kind of like anton yelchin like he he could hold a scene but he's not really given anything interesting to do uh other than just i'm evil and you know that's about it. Like, I, I mean, again, going back to like more of the character moments, like I really would have liked to have seen a little more depth into like the the interworkings of the the this kind of skinhead layer because there seemed to be like a system in place. But uh, I don't know. There wasn't anything special to it. It was just kind of like, hey, like call the dog guy, like you know gotta get the you know like there was there was a couple things where it was like the guys stabbing themselves and you know they're trying to just like basically do like a basic not cover up but to to try and get the situation taken care of but like i don't know there's seen there obviously was a system that they abided by uh depending on certain situations and i don't know like i i kind of want to see a little more of that like uh, what was going on because while the the venue itself was particularly seedy and backwoodsy. Like there wasn't really anything. It was just kind of like blah to look at. So it was like, I I wasn't, I was trying to latch on to something else, you know, with the characters, but then there wasn't anything there. So yeah, basically just, just get on Instagram. I'm just going to go back to that because (laughs) you know what? If you didn't even, if it even put it on the gram, it didn't happen. So, all my buddies died for nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, <laughs> I I thought I thought the venue was like a very memorable place. I'm not gonna say like 
it's almost like another character in the movie. But like it, uh, I don't know. I, I thought it added to me, and I definitely thought the dogs were like a harrowing, uh, like they were used to good effect in this movie. I called Jacob Tremblay because dog is definitely real outside of the room. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want any part of that. Yeah, the, the dogs are all right. Um, but uh, again, I'd love to see Rob Zombie's version of this because it would be it would be next level. F- I, I, would and, just, I would just be yeah. happy enough if there was a scene where Anton Yelchin was walking around going, goodbye stage, <laughs> goodbye microphone, goodbye shotgun. He's Jacob so Tremblay. <laughs> I think he's supposed to be Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> and that was a cover by uh, by the Dead Kennedys. <laughs> Anyways, that that worked well. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we have the quota of Jacob Tremblay references that we need to squeeze in every episode now. Uh. Now, if Jacob Tremblay was a skinhead, (laughs) that would be interesting. (laughs) He might be. I don't know. Um, uh, (laughs) Once he he cut off his strung, off of his hair, he he turned. Once he he cut off those locks in Room. Yeah. Well, Green Room is the sequel is that Jacob Tremblay joins the skinhead group and Brie Larson has to save him. I'd watch that movie. <laughs> that would be good. But uh, again, like I said, like I, I don't think this is a bad movie. I just think that given the track record of the director, I was hoping for something a little bit more unique and with some sort of a of a punch. Because like I think the other two movies he did definitely have that, and I felt it was missing from this movie. Um, in a lot of the same ways that everybody sort of, you know, uh, jizzed over 10 Cloverfield Lane for, um, but this is a much better movie than that. Um, but it's like the same thing where, you know, they're all kind of in one location, um, and nothing really is going on, but I don't know, like, uh, this is obviously, again, it got a lot of hype, so that's why I think that to me, there's a certain amount of like, really, like that's that's what people were getting really excited about. But I don't know. That's just me. I'm in a I'm in the weird minority that uh, you know. Oh, but... don't say that too loud. The uh, skinheads might try to kill you. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, like weird yeah. minorities. They're <laughs> <laughs> gonna lock me away. So, do you think if this had been a debut film? from a director would you feel like praising it more than criticizing it or do you still think it's kind of like nothing nothing special uh, i mean it would be better than you know most uh debut movies I, I would definitely i would say that there would be promise there for sure um yeah we accept your apology <laughs> so i mean i'd be interested to see like what you know, he would do next. But the fact that his actual debut was so strong that I don't know, like to me, this was, this wasn't up to that level. Maybe he can just make a spinoff with, with Imogen Poots's character and that'll be fine. 
just or whatever. Anton Yelchin, his character learns to have an Instagram presence. And right, then he finds yeah. out he's dying of a terminal disease and he grows up to be Sean Penn in 21 grams. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. And his hair does his hair never grows back either. Because <laughs> he's he's three weeks from bald. Mm-hmm. Poor, poor Yelchin. Pouring out for Yelchin's hair in three years. He was at the Q&A and he had plenty of hair. <laughs> Well, that's good. I'm I'm glad it grew back. I'm serious. I'm, like, just, I'm just saying. I'm just no, saying. I'm serious because they're like when he when he did his like the obligatory like oh, I gotta shave my head and put war paint on for no reason. Uh, <laughs> hey, there was a whole story behind it. I was like, I was like, damn, that's a that's a risky move. He really got in. That'd be like if Dane DeHaan shaved his head for a movie. I'd be like, shit. Wait, didn't hope he grow- shave his head? I hope head it grows for... back. Was his no. head not shaved in in Spider Man? No, dude. He just has a he just has a hardcore part, man. <laughs> no, he's he's I, hardcore I balding. Once he, went, once he went full like goblish, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he did because if he did, I don't think it would grow back. He's got he's got to keep that hair, man, as long as he can. That's what I'm saying. I do have to say, I don't know if Chris felt it too, but I'm pretty sure both Jeremy Saulnier and uh, Anton Yelchin were like moderately drunk or at least totally zoned out during the q a after well, this i don't want to i don't want to libel anybody but <laughs> it was apparent <laughs> they were drinking <laughs> just having a good time broing out like i heard him on film spotting a couple days later and he sounded like so much more coherent like in in the Q and A with us, he was basically just like making fun of the idea that people would analyze the movie. He was like, <laughs> you know, as a director, as a director, you make decisions. And nah, but it was just a fun movie. Like, <laughs> trying to totally underplay everything. He he was also doing like the head whippy thing when he'd go between the moderator and <laughs> and yeah. Anton Yelchin. <laughs> it was good times. But anyways, um, anybody have any last thoughts about this film? Uh, no, I think I I think we covered everything. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, with that, Carson, why don't you start us off with your verdict? If you were going to give this a must-see, a recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, <laughs> hmm. I'm going to stick the dogs on you if you don't <laughs> if you don't call something out real fast. I don't know. I guess I'll give it a wait for rental um, because it was better than 10 Cloverfield Lane, which I gave a pass to. And it was better than Room, which was below wait for rental. So, uh, yeah, I give it a wait for rental. And then I would just say watch Murder Party first <laughs> or maybe watch this one first so you don't get too disappointed. I don't know. I would just wait for rental. I was, uh, my, I did not go from six to midnight, unfortunately. Sorry. Like everyone else did. But Steven, what would you give this movie? Um, yeah, so by Carson's logic, but inversely, let's see. I think I liked 10 Cloverfield Lane just a tiny bit more than this movie. Uh, but I still quite enjoyed this one. And I also like this more than Room. So I think I need to give it, it's a must-see. It isn't like the highest of must-sees for me, but it is definitely a, I thought, very effective genre film by a director that so far is two for two for me. And I'm excited to check out Murder Party and hopefully be 
two for three if me and Carson are any indication of when we disagree with each other. <laughs> but we'll we'll find out. Cool. Um, I am going to give this a must-see because uh, I'm the six to midnight person. <laughs> I watched this movie and had a lot of fun with it and uh, really enjoyed what I thought was a very intense ride. So I'm going to stick with that. But anyways, that's going to bring us to the end of this review. So, Carson, I'm assuming that if people want to find you, they can head to some uh, maniacal skinhead party in the middle of the wilderness um, and find you there rocking out to shitty punk music. Yes, and not on social media, because (laughs) if you want to be hardcore, you can't be on Twitter or Instagram, because that's lame. Yeah, totes lame. Yeah, super lame. You gotta be on literal carrier pigeons. <laughs> yeah, I'm on, uh, yeah. Cool, cool. Stephen, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me all over social media, being very not hardcore in every mm. way I live my life. Um, at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. So people can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for the episode will come from the soundtrack to Green Room, so hopefully you're enjoying that. Um, we are going to head out because we have to get on the road so we can perform a show at a not-sold-out venue where there's like four people at. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to head off and do that. Thank you guys for joining me on this episode. You're welcome. You are very welcome. <laughs> and uh, thank you everybody who is currently listening still. <laughs> we, we will see you next time. Turn that shit off.